Greetings from Soundography, a crash course in music, one band at a time. I'm Brian Ibbett. And I know what friends are for. <laughs> Isn't he lovely? Uh, and we're here with uh, another episode of our show where we take a look at one musician's music from start to finish, uh, or at least where they are at, uh, you know, as of February 2023. Who knows if they're going to record anything else. Yeah, and uh, we're today we're talking about Stevie Wonder, as you may remember from our last episode. We teased that we were going to be doing him next. And I really enjoyed this week to a point, and we'll talk about what that point was. I was waiting for the other shoe to drop there because I enjoyed this week as well, to a point. To a point, yes. And then I kind of started enjoying it again later, but not not to the same level as I did prior to the point. Yeah, there, there's a there's a shark jumping moment that I think he it's called Dion Warwick. He jumps, <laughs> it's called the, the woman in red. <laughs> uh, but then he manages to in in process jump back over the shark, but he's just a little further down the tow rope than he was before. I guess we'll we'll talk well, about that. Well, you can't shake the jump. You can't shake the shark jumping uh, smell off of you no matter how hard you try so that's it so that's the it's the stink of shark water my favorite uh, sci-fi channel movie he had a, he had he fell for a fonzie scheme he did a fonzie scheme wow okay thank you dad <laughs> i worked hard for that one yeah it was, it was well done actually it was very well done <laughs> All right, well, let's get to it. Let's talk about Stevie Wonder, because, boy, do we have a lot to get to. Uh, what, what was like 24 albums or something? Yeah, we haven't done? worked this hard since Dolly Parton. No, it's been a while. Reba. And we only did half of her. That's right. We did a, like a Reba, Reba-level yeah. uh, output. Well, he was born Steveland Hardaway Judkins in Michigan in 1950. He was the third, the middle child of five children, and he has been blind since he was very young. As a child, he sang in a church choir, and he started playing instruments at a very early age. So he plays harmonica, piano, and drums. Yeah, I had no idea about the drums until the first album, uh, or I'm sorry, the second album, which really surprised me. He joined forces with a friend and formed Stevie and John, playing on street corners and parties. In 1962, he released uh, the first of two albums that year. First was Tribute to Uncle Ray. which was a tribute to uh, the music of Ray Charles. It was recorded when he was just 11, and it did contain Sunset, which was actually written in part by Stevie Wonder. So here's, I got a question. Stevie yeah. Wonder actually has kind of come out of the child celebrity world. Uh, relatively sure. normal. I mean, I'm yeah. sure there's oh, yeah. there are some quirks in his personality, but they're not headline-making quirks. God, no. There's I can't think of any Stevie Wonder scandal. No you know, and it, it, it ever has ever come up. So it just, it's nice to know that it can happen. Yeah. Doesn't it, doesn't it tend to happen more with the acting side of the child celebrity thing? I'm trying to think of another example where. Your Honor, I present to you Michael Jackson. <laughs> okay. That's a really, it's a really good point. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess you could say, you know, people like um, Leif Garrett and uh, 
uh, I guess Sean Cassidy is not a good example. Michael Jackson's a very good example. Uh, what else? Let's see. Just trying to think like Don, the Osmonds. Uh, they're, they're uh, they were so squeaky clean. Yeah, that, so that actually presented more problems to them as they wanted to try new yeah. forms of music. So yeah, their squeakiness really actually caused them more problems than any scandal they could have had. That's true. They, people just didn't want to hear a little bit of country or a little yeah. bit of rock and roll from them. Oh, and by the way, have you heard the, have you heard that Wild Stallions album by the Osmond Brothers? <laughs> no. It's like a proto-rock album. It's like proto-metal. It's really It is so weird. weird. It's called yes. Wild Stallions? Yes. It is. That's even funnier with the whole Bill and Ted's yeah. Excellent Adventure. It's so going. crazy. Or Wild Horses, Wild Horses, Wild Stallions. Okay. Something like that. It's got, hor- it's a horse reference in the title, but Crazy Horses. It's the Osmond Brothers. And it is like, remember when we covered Blue Cheer? It's Blue Cheer, except sung by a bunch of Mormon kids. Okay, I'm totally, totally going to listen to that after today's show. I'm, I am so curious about that. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of other musicians who started out. Who, who... so we got Britney Spears. Yeah, uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> so we've got a few. I mean, yeah. You know what? You're right. You're right. There are more that you can think of that had issues than than not. At least the most famous ones. Yeah, and I guess they do suffer from the same. Nobody's around to tell them no. Mm-hmm. So they think everything's a yes. So it makes me wonder that if Stevie's parents are right there, just going, no, you can't, you are not a celebrity. Right. You have to yeah, work. You're, you're 11. You bet. Exactly. <laughs> you need to, uh, I think there, there might be something to that, right? Because the parents who say, awesome, this kid is my cash cow. I'm going to make them do whatever they need to do to bring in money for all of us kind of thing versus... No, first and foremost, Stevie, you're a musician. Yep. Um, and you're, you're 11. You know, so after you're 11, after exactly. record the album, you have to take out the trash and eat all your vegetables. And do your homework. I, I get that. I seem to get that from him more than I do the Britneys and Michael Jacksons of the world, especially knowing what a, what a slave driver uh, Joe, uh, uh-huh. Joe Jackson was. Not No relation to the singer that... Not yeah, at all. No, not, okay. the, not the stepping out singer, but the... <laughs> but the producer of the the Jackson Five. Yes. All right. Anyway, back to Stevie Wonder. In addition to the tribute to Uncle Ray album, he also in 1962 released The Jazz Soul of Little Stevie. Uh, he was 12 when this album was re- released, uh, and he didn't sing on this album. It features all of his skills as an instrumentalist. This is where I finally, where I realized that he was a a drummer. Like, we're hearing this, and I'm like, I'm not hearing any keyboards in this. This must be him drumming, and it certainly was. So crazy. Uh, Fingertips from this album would become his first hit single. Uh, well, Fingertips version of it. We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. After this album, it was uh, he was enrolled in the Michigan School for the Blind. A single was released called I Call It Pretty Music, but old people call it the blues was his first single. <laughs> the first two albums were released in reverse, or, reverse order and gained little success. 
uh, recorded live, the 12-year-old genius. This album was released in 1963. And it's this version of Fingertips that became a hit for him, not the other one, but this one. This one's got him singing. It's got the vocals. It's got a lot of stuff. Plus, uh, it was it was covered by uh, soundography subjects from a couple seasons ago. Sparks, yep, <laughs> which is a weird, a weird thing for them to cover, but I love it. At thirteen, he was the youngest artist ever to reach number one on the charts. He also appeared in two movies in 1964: Muscle Beach and Bikini Beach. I see a theme. I do too, and that thing will actually rear its sand, sand-covered, ugly head in just a minute. <laughs> in 1963, also released with a song in my heart. Make just one someone happy. Make just one heart the heart you. This was uh, decided when they decided to drop the word little from his name. So instead of little Stevie Wonder, now he was just Stevie Wonder. And the album contained covers of standards. And it's really good. 1964, he released Stevie at the Beach. There you go. That's his uh, his Muscle Beach and Bikini Beach uh, connection there. This was a concept album of sorts. And it focused on, as you might guess, beach and surfing songs. It's a hard thing to try to do. A a the surf sound is very specific. Yeah, like Beach Boysy kind of. Yeah, surf. Dick Dale. We covered surf rock. So Jan and Dean. Yeah, sure. there's mm-hmm. a specific sound to it, and it just mm-hmm. it just. I wonder how that conversation went. Of let's do this. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a very odd. It's a very odd thing to go from jazz and soul and and R and B and gospel background to a beach a beach album. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, a lot of people felt that same way. Uh, it failed to showcase his talents, and because of that, it didn't do very well in sales. Hey, Harmonica Man was the only song on the album that did not fit in this concept. Yeah. Because harmonicas and beaches, again, you don't think of those two things going together, especially with sands going in all the little holes. Oh, yeah, you don't want sand in your blowholes. No, for sure. Uh, 1966, he released Uptight. This uh, featured vocals by the Four Tops. Uh, as a matter of fact, a very specific one where they go, hey, yeah. And it's uh, that that little clip. <laughs> it's the best example I can think of. That's but maybe you'll insert that's a better example of it. right now. Yeah. Uh, but it's, uh, I think it's during the title track, um, is used 
trying to think of what other songs it's been used in, but there's that little clip has been used in a bunch of other other songs. Uh, his cover of Dylan's Blown in the Wind was popular with crossover audiences. And the song Uptight, Everything's Alright was the single that was released from this album. It reached number 33 on the Billboard charts. Down to Earth was his next album. Came out that same year. We're in, we're, by the way, we're in that stage, people, where they released, uh, artists released multiple albums a year, uh, just cranking them out just to keep, keep money flowing into the, the labels. Down to Earth featured his more mature voice now that he was the ripe old age of 16. <laughs> it was a bit of a change from the teen pop albums that he released earlier. Okay, yeah. so it says here that they were uh, a big change from team pop albums. Yeah. Okay, he was singing old standards and old tunes that seemed <laughs> right. like they were With engaged in my heart old was, people. Yeah. yeah. It's just crazy that that was the teen pop standard of the day. Yeah, right, because that is what, what teens were still singing. I mean, this was just a year or so after the, the Beatles started making it big and rock and roll was you know, coming into a, a lot more prominence. I guess it was the 50s, 55 was the uh, first quote-unquote rock and roll song with Bill Haley and the Comets. But but still, you found a lot of younger artists still doing old standards. Yeah. And uh, uh, that, that does seem a little crazy, doesn't it? Yeah. It's true because the older bands like Bill Haley and his Comets weren't, they weren't uh, geriatric, but they were, Older than teenagers, yeah. I think, when they when they start playing. Uh, the song A Place in the Sun was a hit for him from this album. The next album, 1967's I Was Made to Love Her, uh, came out. The title track was released as a single. Okay, it was during this time that he had started writing for other people, including uh, The Tears of a Clown for Smokey Robinson and The Miracles. That's cool. He's, like, this was that era of Motown where everybody was writing for everybody else. Mm -hmm. And uh, and there's like early versions of um, Heard It Through the Grapevine that are, that's by like, uh, is that one by Smokey Robinson as well? The original version, mm -hmm. the, yep. the Marvin Gaye version was the big hit, but yeah. it was Smokey's. No, it, was, it's was funny because every, everyone was writing songs and they like, would throw them all on a table and just pick up stuff and play whatever they thought was cool. And so you have all these really great yeah. different versions of songs because everyone was just writing. Yeah. And, and uh, Barry Gordy or whoever at the time, the producers uh, at the time also would say, Ooh, this song is not right for you. We're going to give this uh, this one to somebody else and have you record midnight train to Georgia or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Uh, 1967, we have a Christmas album called Someday at Christmas. This contained four standards as well as five, or, or I'm sorry, eight originals. Uh, the song What Christmas Means to Me would become a holiday classic.
also love the title track. I think it's it's got it's got that message that uh, we would hear a lot from Stevie Wonder, the uh, "Someday at Christmas" the the um, the Christmas song. We'd get a lot of this message of of poverty and treatment of of um, people who grew up on the streets and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it would become a very a very common through line for him. 1968, he released the album Ivet's Red Now, which, if you're keeping track, is Stevie Wonder backwards. <laughs> this, uh, this, this album was kind of backwards. It's an easy listening instrumental album. Clavinet was added to his sound palette, and this really featured a lot of his harmonica playing. Basically, he would use the harmonica in place of the vocal track, so yeah. you'd get these songs with with just harmonica's vocals. And it was right here as I was listening to it that I was thinking to myself, man, Stevie Wonder could make that harmonica sing. Yep. He really could. 1968 also saw the release of For Once in My Life, uh, this features a now 18-year-old who is growing as a vocalist and a songwriter. He also shared a producer's credit. Uh, deservedly so. This contained four songs that hit the top 100. The title track, Shooby Dooby Doo Da Day, uh, I Don't Know Why, and You Met Your Match. That Shooby Dooby the- Doo Da Day song sounds on the album might have covered at some point. With it the does, yeah, yeah. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Yeah, right, I could just hear it. The song I Don't Know Why, by the way, God, it's such a great song. And and I, I cheated with a couple singles in my playlist, but I would have included that one too because it's uh, it's that I don't know why I love you, but I do. And it's got such a such a hook, man. The do, 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 do. Yeah, love it. Just love it. Uh, this album brought the clavinet more fully into his compositions and it basically would become a mainstay in his music from then on. In 1969, he released My Sharia More. This featured Yester Me, Yester You, Yesterday, and of course the title track. He also covered the Doors' "Light My Fire" and "Hello, Young Lovers" from The King and I, which is an odd combination of songs to pick. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, it, it very much is very because uh, they are not <laughs> interchangeable pieces of music. Both ends of the spectrum. Although, although the Doors at one point covered Three Penny Opera. Don't forget. Yeah, that's true. I just would Kurt, love Kurt to Vile. see uh, yeah. Yul Brenner singing "Frontman for the Doors." There you go. You know that it would be untrue. Yeah. And then Val Kilmer doing King and I. That would be great. Then, uh, let's see, 1970 saw the release of Stevie Wonder uh, live and live at the talk of the town. 
both released in 1970. Well, well, The Talk of the Town was initially a UK release, and it was recorded at a, at a nightclub in London. Oh, cool. International acclaim, that kid. Uh, 1970 also saw the release of Sign, Seal, Delivered. This featured four hits. I bet you can guess one of them. Uh, Heaven Help Us All, Never Had a Dream Come True. Uh, the others... Uh, he wrote or co-wrote seven of the tracks. There was also a cover of one of my favorite Beatles tunes on there called We Could Work It Out, which actually is uh, my favorite Beatles tune of all time. It is a great song. It's a great cover. And it's that that keyboard, that... I love the way that song opens, uh, we, opens I also up. have a tie that has yeah. a uh, visual representation of We Can Work It Out. It's a black and white tie with people doing like tug of war on it. And oh, really? Yeah, it's a great tie. Huh. I, I don't wear ties very often, but when I do, I find excuses to wear that one. Yeah, that's a really good one to wear, it sounds like. That's awesome. Uh, 1971 saw the release of Where I'm Coming From. This album charted well. It peaked at number 62 on the Billboard charts and number seven on the R&B charts. Just for those counting, this is his 15th album uh, and 13th studio album. Just so sure. you're keeping score to this point. Yeah, two live albums, and, and so far, 15 albums, no greatest hits, yeah, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is something that's not done anymore. Oh, I got two albums, <laughs> greatest hits album yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's time for greatest hits. Where's my <laughs> one bonus track. Where's my Millennial Masters disc? Exactly. Uh, all the songs on this album were, were written or co-written by Stevie Wonder. I Want to Talk to You portrayed a racially charged conversation between a black man and an old Southern white man. I want to talk to you. Hold on. I want to talk to you. It's a really funny song. As he approached his 21st birthday, his contract with Motown was ending and he refused to renegotiate. Many of the songs presented a very social commentary and war-themed uh, feeling to them. And Stevie also played synthesized bass on much of the album. 1972, uh, we got Music of My Mind. This was the first album released under his new contract with Motown. So he really did decide to, uh, uh, to, to renegotiate. And this was the beginning of like Stevie's best work for me. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because there's a B at the end of that. Oh, sorry. My gosh. <laughs> I'm so used to those like, things being in my, that's that, like know, my column. So, Usually your columns. So yeah. I know. I thought it was so funny. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let him. You're gonna let that roll right through, aren't you? The <laughs> uh, go ahead, Brian. But, but I feel like we both felt the same way, right? Yeah, like this yeah. is, this was the. I mean, we can even leave this in because I think this is, this was for both of us the start. There's of that. Okay, album. so the early years up until like yes, 1970, I felt like he was kind of finding his footing as a musician, finding what his style was going to be growing into who he was as a writer and a performer. And then by the yeah. time we get to 71, 72, 73, some of these seventies albums, we kind of get 
the golden age of Stevie. We do. For and, sure. and then he meets movies and Dion Warwick and we get a new age of Stevie. <laughs> I love, love that Dion Warwick was the shark that he jumped basically. <laughs> it turned but, him in from, it made him not a jazz soul performer, turned him into soft adult contemporary. A mainstream pop radio. And, yeah, and agreed. yes, it got him gobs and gobs of money. I am sure mm-hmm. that wherever, when he's walking around his house, he's just finding towers of money that he yeah. forgot he had. Yeah. But right. it's not, it never was a spot for, I was comfortable. Like that's not the Stevie I enjoy. No, no. And, and, uh, and you're, you, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head by saying that this was for, for us, the best set of albums, this range, definitely not to discount the, the great stuff, you know, that sign seal delivered and my Sherry, Sherry more. Yeah. And for once in my life, I mean, those, those are albums that, you know, I was, when I was driving uh, around for, uh, for Lyft this last week, those were albums I played and felt great. Like this is, this is music that I doubt anyone's going to get into my car and say, oh, I really don't like yeah. this fun, awesome music. Yeah. Can you please turn off this? Can you turn off Stevie Wonder and put some Slayer on for me, please? Exactly. To which I'd say, forget about it. You're in a Kia Soul. <laughs> it's appropriate. And so it's either going to be this or Cheryl Crow. So figure it out. <laughs> Melissa Etheridge, figure it out. No, because it's a Kia Soul. It's Soul. Oh, oh, so it'd be Kayla Soul. It'll be De La Soul. Yes, oh, exactly. Oh, by the we're, way, we, we had Soul Asylum. Oh, yeah, we lost to De La Soul. Remember this last week? And pour one out. So anyway, music in my mind, back to 1972 album. He used a custom synthesizer for this album called the Tonto on several tracks. What do you know about the Tonto? Uh, I know that he worked with the builder specifically to get a sound and a feel that he wanted, like the weight of the keys. All of it is, it's, it's a, it's a Stevie Wonder fully, you know, had input yeah and worked on it so it does the things he needed it to and wanted it to and things are laid out where he wanted them to be and it was that's cool yeah did they ever release it commercially not that i know of yeah not that i know of it's not one of those like a signature guitar things that happen all the time or interesting uh the album was a moderate hit and many see it as the first of his classic period as we mentioned superwoman where were you when i needed you and keep on running were released as singles And the album is a collection of singles, B-sides, and covers. 1972 also saw the release of Talking Book. This album cemented what would go on to be his signature sound. Uh, The album peaked at number three, featured uh, hits like You Are the Sunshine of My Life and Superstition. The former reaching number one, also the, the uh, actually both of them reaching the top of the Billboard charts. Yep. That song, by the way, Superstition, was a 
was written for Jeff Beck. Like uh, Stevie uh, basically said, hey, Jeff Beck, I'm writing you a song. And then Jeff Beck recorded his version of it. And then Stevie said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm also going to record a version of it for after. And then another uh, Stevie did a, another version of it that probably probably overshadowed it in some ways, the original. <laughs> Stevie Rivon, yeah. Uh-huh. But, but the label, it was actually his label that released, that Motown released Stevie Wonder's version first, even though the intent was that Jeff Beck would get the, the first release of uh, Superstition and that Stevie Wonder's would be the cover. It's very interesting, like the timing on that. Yeah. Like when, when a planned cover becomes the original, it's yeah. very interesting. Uh, let's see. Uh, this was the album that won Stevie his first Grammy. Uh, Rolling Stone has ranked this as number 59 on the top 500 greatest albums of all time. And I would, I would agree of, oh, man, it's so hard for me to put these, these albums in order between this and the next four or this one and the, and the four that, uh, that it, it starts, um, talking about intervisions, fulfilling this is first finale and songs of the key of life, man, I, I love, I love talking book, man. It's such a great album. The original pressing of this album all the way up to the, the 2000th pressing included a braille message that said, here's my music. It is all I have to tell you how I feel. Know that your love keeps my love strong. That's so cool. Here's a weird thing that I learned about this this album is yeah. that Ray Parker Jr. played guitar on it. On that album? Uh-huh. Interesting. Well, who else are you going to call? Huey Lewis. <laughs> see what I did there, right? I, I see what you did there because that one, yeah, because it sounds, I want a new drug. Yeah. It sounds like Ghostbusters, yeah. 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 But for, at first, I wasn't sure you saw what I did. But you uh, I saw, I saw, I heard it. That's why I went for the yeah. other. That's what I did. Yep, it was very good. We're playing the same it was, game. It just we are, yeah. we are, we're, <laughs> we're volleying back and forth at this point, and that's right. Same paint. Yep. Just uh, we each have our own tooth uh, paintbrush or toothbrush. <laughs> 1973 uh, saw the release of Inner Visions. This album has been very influential on the future sound of commercial soul and R and B music. This one reached number four on the charts and it won Album of the Year. And Living for the City won Best R&B Song. Now, all right, I'll come clean. Initially, I put that song on my playlist because it's it's not just my favorite Stevie Wonder song, but it's one of my favorite songs ever. There's the two different versions. There's the single version or the greatest hits version. And then there's the album version. And the album version adds all this extra uh, theater of the mind narrative stuff with a guy getting off the bus in New York. Oh, wow, New York City. And then he gets mugged. And then because he's getting mugged, uh, the cops think that he's causing problems and he gets put in jail and becomes this hardened criminal because it's put in jail. It's like such a, uh, such a, a great job of doing something that is uh, that could in in the wrong hands be really cheesy and and goofy, but for whatever reason, just works with this song and works in Stevie Wonder's hands. Uh, this album, Intervisions, is considered one of his best albums ever. It was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in nineteen. So I just read a hammer thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, why did I do that? It's like I never read the stuff over there as part of the stuff. I think all you all do right. is set line minds for me to read. You don't ever put anything over there. It's really funny. All right. Uh, this verse, this album is considered to be one of his best albums ever. And it was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 1999. Sure was. In August of 1973, Stevie was a passenger in a car accident with a truck carrying logs. He was in a coma for 10 days. The songs Higher Ground, Living for the City, Don't You Worry About a Thing, and He's Mr. Know-It-All were released as singles during this time. Uh, 1974, he released Fulfilling This's First Finale. It's a very hard, hard album title to say. Uh, this album was at the top of Billboard's charts for two weeks and spent nine weeks on the Soul LP charts. It was awarded three Grammys, including his second album of the year. And the album had a more somber and reflective tone. Yeah, I bet. After that car accident and 10 days in a coma, I'm sure yeah. he thought the party was over. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, the songs You Haven't Done Nothing was a pointed commentary of the Nixon administration. The other single was Boogie on Reggae Woman, or as it's said in the chorus, without any consonant, use of consonants whatsoever, it's <laughs> so it's an exercise in vowels. You can make me It's an exercise in vowels, and and basically, how can you say four words that sound like one noise that? Uh, <laughs> I, this this is the thing. Never in a million years would I disparage the song because this is another one I love. I love the speed of it, the tempo, mm-hmm. all of it, and I love the vocals, and I just love the fact that it sounds like. You know, sounds like it's one is the name of the uh, is the name of the song. Like it even took me. Here's one of those one of those things. People joke about Mondo Greens all the time, right? Misheard lyrics, mm-hmm. and man, how could you get uh, Chugalug Strawberry Man out of the Steve Miller Band song Jungle Love when the title of the song are the first two words that you're hearing as Chugalug Strawberry Man? <laughs> But I have it with this one because even though I knew the song was called Boogie on Reggae Woman, for a long time I did not know what he was singing in that in that chorus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. Sometimes sometimes coolness overpowers diction. Yeah. And and, and coolness will always win out over diction. Especially in the case of Stevie Wonder. Give me give me the coolness. Don't worry about the diction. Yep. I'll figure it out when yeah. I read the lyrics in the album jacket. Exactly. Also in 1974, Stevie participated in a jam session with John Lennon and Paul McCartney. This would become known as A Toot and a Snore in 1974. I want that. I want whatever, wherever you can get a copy of that, I want to hear it. Holy crap. It's so cool. 1976, we skipped a year, and uh, 1976, he released Songs in the Key of Life, 
this was a double album, and many view this as the pinnacle of Stevie's work, and and I think I would too. I think, yeah, of the of these four albums that I mentioned, this this one I decided I would put at the top, and maybe it's just because there's so much more content because it's a double album. So I will tell everybody listening from seventy two yeah. to seventy six those albums. Yeah, that's yeah. where I would recommend you starting. Yes, uh, for sure. Any anything before that, you're getting young little Stevie, uh, evolving Stevie, yeah. uh, learning Stevie, all that stuff. It's talented. It's wonderful. It's great. But it's it's the it's the proto Stevie of what we're going to get from seventy two on, and some. And I was going to say from seventy seventy two to seventy six, those are the albums that kind of built his. I would say built his legacy. There's certainly the the songs that that um, that you hear um, that you f- most closely associate with his name, yeah. Superstition and Higher uh, Ground, Duke and Higher Ground, and Living for the City, and all that stuff. Yeah. Like when I saw him as a kid on whether it was like uh, Sesame Street or Electric Company, and he was on there, and it was like, you know, hey, here's hey kids, here's somebody who's blind, but plays keyboards and sings mm-hmm. and harmonica and all this stuff. And you'd never, like he's, he's achieved so much and look how inspirational he was. And he was, like yeah. he totally was. So I will um, say this because I know what's yeah. coming up from yeah. 72 to 76. It made him bulletproof because he's yeah, going to need it so. rolling into the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you, <laughs> right. You've established <laughs> such a foundation of awesome work. You can, you can release the most, I don't know, pedantic love song ever associated with a movie whatsoever. And people will still <laughs> think about your previous We'll song. also come up with that upset stomach song here coming up soon too. So. Oh gosh. Yeah. And don't drink and drive and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, or don't drive drunk. I think is what it's called. Anyway, by 1974, Stevie was one of the most popular and successful people in music. And it was around this time that Stevie signed a new seven-album contract with Motown that gave him full creative control. At $37 million for seven albums, it was one of the biggest deals in history at the time. And the album, Songs in the Key of Life, debuted at number one, uh, I Wish and Sir Duke. Both reached number one. This album actually spent 13 weeks itself at number one, and it won album of the year. Uh, and of course, it was inducted into the National Recording Registry in 2005. Also features the song "Isn't She Lovely," written about his daughter, and contains audio that you don't see on the single, but you get a ton of. Here's audio of of my kid babbling and talking and stuff like that, and it's cute. But yeah. I, I, Give me the the single version. I'm ready for the next song when that one comes up. So this album is number four on Rolling Stone's top 500 greatest albums of all time. So he's got two on there and one is number five. Is number four. Yeah, which is crazy. Sorry. Yeah. uh, And this is one that if you listen to an Apple Apple Music, they, they retroactively animated the cover with that tunnel, that, that torn paper 
uh, tunnel that you're traveling through with his face at the end of it, which yeah. is such a great, yeah, it's, it's really cool. I think, I know it does it on the phone. Let me see if it does it on the, yeah, it does it on the uh, desktop as well. Like it animates well, that. Isn't little. that lovely? <laughs> Made from love is what it is. Totally is. A soundtrack to the Stevie Wonder journey through the secret of plants was released in 1979. I had a hard time listening to this album after all the stuff before. And I know, you know, he's an artist. He gets to experiment and sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. For me, this album just didn't, didn't work. Yeah, this felt like he wrote it after a lunch with Philip Glass. Very, very much so. Like a Brian Eno, Philip Glass. Hey, what kind of goofy stuff? Maybe even a little bit like a more modern take would be Flaming Lips, like a Wayne Coyne yeah. influence. Wendy Carlos kind of dropped by to say hi, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. All right. Now we get into 1980. <laughs> Hang on, I got to take a drink. You know what? I want to make everyone take a drink. Let's all think about Dream Theater for a second. Right. Yes. Everyone takes a drink. Now we can go into 1980, the 80s. 1980, hotter than July. This was recorded in his newly acquired Wonderland Studios in LA. This one reached number three on the album charts, and it was his most successful album in the UK. Four singles were released, and they all reached the top ten. Master Blaster, which is a which is a great song. I will say, I like the song Master Blaster. Yep. I ain't going to stand for it lately. Happy birthday. And did I hear you say you love me? Uh, all were released as singles that released that made the top 10. Also around this time, Stevie had a number one hit with Paul McCartney. We all know it. It's called Ebony and Ivory. And, and I put this in here because I haven't said it enough that this is where I say I really enjoyed prior to 1980 Stevie more than post 1980 Stevie. Yeah. And and I'll and I'll clarify and say that there were things in these later albums. Like Master Blaster is a great example of this. Like a, a good portion of the album, not to my tastes, but then I'd get like a, a song like Master Blaster or one that's going to be in my playlist later on. Be like, oh, I really like this. All right, this is really cool. This is kind of for me a diamond in the rough. Yeah. Uh, 1985, you released the album In Square Circle. God, I remember this being such a huge thing. At but you the, skipped, at the you time. skipped the one you highlighted. Oh, I skipped did. It. That's a, that's, I used that's, to talk that's about so it. Freudian yeah. that you skipped that one. It totally is. This is the actual, it's like I actually, I jumped over this shark right yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> the Woman in Red soundtrack in 1984. This contained one of his biggest hits. I just called to say I love you. This won the Oscar for the best original song. Which proves just how bulletproof he is. 
Yeah, really, it really does. And, you know, people, people love that song more at the time than they probably admit to now. Uh, Not me. It became a joke in the <laughs> About a Boy. Yeah. yeah. No, you, <laughs> Not me. You didn't like it at the time no, either. I don't uh-uh. think I liked it at the time I was either, too busy. But, I was uh, too busy discovering uh, New Wave of British Heavy Metal and Twisted Sister and Autograph and... Yeah, I was I was wandering into the worlds the the nascent worlds of thrash metal at this point. <laughs> I was too busy discovering Kelly LeBrock in the film The Woman in Red. Yeah, that the soundtrack came out came out. <laughs> what would you little maniacs like to do first? Uh, all right, 1985 saw the release of In Square Circle. This featured the songs Part Time Lover, Go Home. Those are two different songs, by the way, in case you're wondering. <laughs> and Overjoyed, uh, the singles released It's a that. really funny sentence if you change the punctuation. <laughs> it is, yes. <laughs> so, at the same year, a movie called The Last Dragon was released. And yeah. the soundtrack for The Last Dragon is great, except for one song. Yeah. Now, did you listen to this song? Because I don't know how I, available it is. Uh, I did when we did the movie on Film Sack. Show okay. enough. We did the movie. Yes. Uh, <laughs> did so the movie there's a song on there called Upset Stomach. Is I've got an upset stomach and a broken heart. Now, me in yeah. 1985, of course, changed that to, and I have to fart, which is the <laughs> only way I can get through that song. Yeah. It's not good. It really is not good. Yeah. There was, you know, he continued that, that experimentation that he had with The Secret of Plants. I think he, you know, because he knew that uh, or maybe because of this. I mean, I think that like once you've said, all right, I've established myself as an artist, I do want to try some some other things. Maybe they'll work, maybe they won't. And um, stuff like upset stomach and uh, don't drive drunk and things like that. So, um, part and part-time lover. So, and part-time lover. Yeah. So, here's the thing is I, I love the fact that he can and write these songs and have them be published and end up on soundtracks and make money yeah. and, sure. and do all the things because I can't, there's no way I could do this. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm just trying to figure out what happened because even lyrics seem to have kind of the effort kind of fell off a little bit. And I, I don't, I don't know what happened. It's just, it's just a weird transition from um, higher ground and superstitious superstition to I've got an upset stomach and a broken heart and a migraine yeah. headache that just won't go away. <laughs> it's like a lot less, still there occasionally, but a lot less of the social commentary songs. And uh, I mean, that one sounds like a, t- a call to tell a doctor. I'm sorry. Hi, doc. I got. A- <laughs> I, I just called to say I've got an upset <laughs> stomach and, and a broken heart. Yeah, there is, it, there, it's a, I don't know what the change was either. And, and you know, I, I doubt it was just like, 
oh yeah, here's here's just paying the bills. Here's me like making making the money, maybe not flexing my artistic muscle because he could have he could have easily done both. He was still releasing albums that were that were uh, some of the biggest selling albums of the years. That and he they was, came and out. this is when he started working with everybody. This is where he's like, yeah. oh, I want to work with Elton John, and I want to work yeah. with everybody. It could just be that you get to a point where you're just a kinder, gentler version of yourself, right? So instead of of saying, I need to keep writing these songs that protest the current state of the country, it's like, all right, let's see, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let other people do that. I want to write the stuff that makes personally makes me happy and makes my audience happy. And and that could just be all it is. And that's yeah. also Reaganomics is really hard to rhyme with. <laughs> It is. Even <laughs> right now, I'm trying to come up with... Uh, yeah, it's true. Uh, all right. This album in Square Circle uh, reached number one on the R&B charts and got to the top five on the Billboard charts. Stevie also played harmonica on the rhythmic single There Must Be an Angel. And on Elton John's I Guess Why They Call It The Blues. Both very prominent, very prominent harmonica solos on those albums, mm-hmm. those songs. In 1986, Stevie participated in the USA for Africa project, We Are the World. Shortly after that, he recorded That's What Friends Are For with uh, Dionne Warwick and uh, who else was in that thing? Those are the, the, those uh, are the two. Kenny Rogers? Is that who it was? I think you're right. Keep smiling. You know, I think it's Kenny Rogers right before he started his roasters. Was one of the, uh, <laughs> was Diana Ross in that too? Uh, there's a possibility. It could have been the four. They could have been the four of them. Yeah. I'm looking it up. Yeah. Cause I, I, once I typed it, I kind of got sick in my stomach and moved on. That's all you write. Exactly. It's like you, uh, and here's the problem that uh, made that song even worse. It was, it was so popular that you couldn't go into a Dillard's, a grocery store, uh, a gas station, a restaurant and not hear yeah. it playing in the background. That's true. By the way, not Kenny Rogers, but the aforementioned Elton John. Oh, that's right. Uh, oh my gosh, and, you're absolutely right. And Gladys Knight was the uh, was the other female vocalist that I was trying to remember. By the way, uh, that song was co-written by Burt Bacharach, who just passed away. As couple, we record uh, this, yeah. As we record this. And Carol Bayer-Sager. As in who's, Pete's sister or wife? No, it's Seeger is oh, who you're okay. thinking of. <laughs> this is... Uh, uh, no, she, one of her husbands was Burt Bacharach, okay. actually. She was married for a while, but uh, her first husband was Andrew Sager, and that's where okay. she took the name. Yeah. <laughs> but she, man, she wrote a ton of a ton of stuff, kind of, you know, the same kind of, uh, the same kind of stuff as That's What Friends Are For, like uh, the Christopher Cross uh Best that you can do the the theme from Arthur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's see. That's what friends are for. Uh, don't cry out loud. Um, I mean, it's you know, it's all that stuff that kind of adult contemporary that. goodness. Yeah, yeah. Let's call it that. Uh, <laughs> and then Stevie appeared on Michael Jackson's Bad album. Uh, yeah, the duet Just Good Friends. There was a. It feels like there was a song on uh, one of his albums that featured Michael Jackson guest doing guest vocals, but maybe it was this one that I heard. Uh, 1987, he released the album Characters. This album contained six singles, including Skeletons, which reached number 19. 
uh, here's here's the one. There was also another duet with Michael Jackson called Get It. And this album received three Grammy nominations, but didn't win any of them. In 1991, he released the uh, the song uh, Jungle Fever or, or released the soundtrack to Jungle Fever, including the title track. That one reached number one on the charts, and there were three singles released from that album. Also, also this year, there's a Handel's Messiah, a soulful celebration. And he did the Otellist Good Tidings to Zion. And oh, cool. that that whole album is awesome. And when I was stage managing, we used to do a community celebration of Handel's Messiah. And we used to alternate between the classical presentation and the soulful celebration. So we had like 180 voice choir, a jazz quartet, oh, wow. and then a classical string section. And we would switch back and forth. And by the time we got to... Hallelujah at the end, it was the full-blown gospel stand up and shout and clap kind of uh, yeah. presentation. It was yeah. so much fun to do. I, I stage managed that thing three years in a row uh, around Christmas. And as far as working in theater, it's one of the things I missed the most. Nineteen ninety-five conversation piece. A lot, lot of time, by the way, there between uh, characters and the Jungle Fever soundtrack, all the way to nineteen ninety-five's conversation piece. The single "For Your Love" won the Grammy for Best R&B Male Vocal Performance. Also in 95, he released another live album called Natural Wonder. Uh, Ten years later, 2005, A Time to Love. Uh, initially, this was released as, a, as an iTunes exclusive, the first single. So what's the fuss? Saying that very carefully, like they say it. So, what's the fuss? <laughs> Featured Prince on guitar and in Vogue on backing vocals. Now, that's Children. A, that's a dream team of a production. Oh, really? Is Prince and in Vogue? That's amazing. Heck yeah, yeah. When you think about the people in that room, yeah. That that album had a ton of great people on. Not just Prince, but also India Re, Paul McCartney. Like it, it. Uh, had quite the, Aisha Morris had quite the the guest list on it. But yeah, Prince and In Vogue on one track. It's like uh, magic right there. Shelter in the Rain was a tribute to his first wife after she died of cancer before the album was released. And she was uh, not just first wife, but I think she was co-writer in a lot of his uh, early self-written songs. She's credited as co-writer. 
In 2011, he released A Merry Christmas as a single with Dionne Warwick. 2016, he released Faith for the movie Sing. Also later that year, he released a new duet with Andrea Day called Someday at Christmas. A new uh, duet of that favorite song of his. It was uh, probably right around this time, too, that he released, uh, that he did, played harmonica on the Seasons of Love song from uh, Rent. That's oh, another, right, 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 right. Another yep. contribution. Yep. Yeah. Um, 2019, uh, just additional singles and rarities. This was just a collection of what the album title says. It is. <laughs> Talk about the right there on the label as the additional singles and rarities. Yeah. Otherwise known as cleaning out the closet. Pretty much. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's dump out everything that I've recorded that hasn't been released. Uh, there were a few singles released in 2020. Those were Real Love, Can't Put in the Hands of Fate, and Where Is Our Love Song. 2021 also saw another duet, this time with Elton John. This one was called Finish Line. Hammond, somebody like this probably has a... Keep sliding. (laughs) Sorry. No, you might just break through the tape. For sure. (laughs) That's the finish line. Anyway. No, I'm uh, sorry. For those listening, if it's not clear, I'm not even putting that song into the episode. I hate it so much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not, no clips of no, that you will no, you will hear. I'm not going to uh, torture myself, you, or dear listeners. Nope. If they want to hear it, they can go to Spotify the, and find it themselves. You will include that keyboard intro of uh, We Can Work It Out. That yes, that I can. No problem doing that. Favorite song of all time yeah. by the Beatles. No problem with that. Yeah, yeah, piece of cake. All right, let's get to his uh, statistics and uh, general notes. Hammond, bet he's got something. Yeah, right? so he, he he they've released eighteen compilations and greatest hits albums throughout the years. Uh, wow, they made up for all that time at the beginning. When yeah, it wasn't they once once he hit the late eighties into the nineties, it was masters, anthologies, greatest hits, new collections. You know, just all over the place. If KTEL yeah. were around, they'd be milking that cow for years. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and I said I said this too. He has worked with absolutely everyone. In 2021, he worked with Elton John, but he's also worked with Common, Snoop Dogg, Paul McCartney, Jeff Beck, Sting, Sergio Mendez, Buster Rhymes, Herbie Hancock, Sting, and many, 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 many more. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that I can say Buster Rhymes and Sergio Mendez in the same sentence. The same, exactly. Yeah, that is everyone. Uh, then he also has seven honorary, honorary degrees from a wide variety of colleges throughout the country. Wow. So, so awesome. So impressive. And uh, just such an incredible talent. And I, uh, I want to make a disclaimer. Yeah. We talk a lot of crap about that 80s period of music. But sure. that's our opinion, or at least my opinion of it. I won't speak for Brian here. But- yeah. I mean, you. When I said that he got bulletproof in the seven sixties and seventies, he kind of did because the 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 type of music he was playing changed, and mm-hmm. those who were fans, I think, probably struggled because I did as I was going through and listening. Like I heard, that's what friends are for, and then my mom would be like, "That's not really Stevie Wonder," and then she'd play a higher ground and superstition. And I'm like, mm-hmm. "Okay, this is what I like. Okay, I get that." So we give a lot of crap, but he's still Stevie Wonder. He's still awesome. 
It's just that these songs don't hit us the way, maybe it's because we're not adult contemporary fans. I don't know. It just, mm-hmm. it's not hate. It's just a dislike for this style of music. Yeah. And and uh, listen, I'm going to defend one of the songs from his later period later on in the show. So As someone should. Yes, be ready for that. <laughs> All right, let's get to our uh, Stairway to Heaven song. This is where we pick a song that, let's say you get to see Stevie Wonder in concert. I'd love to see him in concert, actually, because I'm sure... I, he needs a, a residency. Of, he needs a residency at MGM. Oh, yeah, for sure. Or Mandalay oh, Bay. Gosh. He needs Make a residency at Mandalay Bay. Somewhere on the strip, yeah. yeah. That would be fantastic. Uh, what's the, the song that you're guaranteed he's going to play in concert, Hammond? What are our choices? All right. So my, I think we hear all of these, but yeah. I think we hear Sign, Seal, Delivered, Higher Ground, I Wish, You Are the Sunshine of My Life. Absolutely. But I think the thing that we will, that wins the Stairway to Heaven song is Superstition. funny because again you know a song that he wrote for somebody else is the song that i think you just mostly closely like when you say his name it's the first song i think yeah. that comes to mind well, at least and for here's me. the funny part is i didn't realize i i didn't realize well i did realize i won't say that i will say that the red hot chili peppers took higher ground to a, a place that i wasn't expecting and they made it their own so that when i had to be reminded that was a cover of a stevie wonder song because uh, they did a very good job covering it. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's stuff like that that uh, uh, that'll actually come up in my playlist as well. Um, uh, you know, good good bones, good foundation yeah. of a song that makes it. Uh, it's the eye in the coverable. sky effect. Good yeah, songwriters, really good songwriters can't <laughs> avoid it. It's the eye in the sky effect. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm going to tell you, Hammond, that you're exactly right. Yeah, Superstition, number one, and not not even, you know, close. 345 performances in uh, in concert. Uh, next runner-up is, you know, about 50 performances less than that. Sir Duke. Sign, Seal, Delivered, I'm Yours, My Sharia More, Higher Ground, I Wish, Living for the City, Master Blaster, You Are the Sunshine of My Life, and don't worry about a thing are all in the top 10. Okay, so notice, that's what friends are for, not even in his top 10. No, but number 11, I just called to say I love you. Okay, but still, I, yeah. I will I will listen to that 10 times in a <laughs> row before I listen to that's what friends are for. Yeah, that I wonder if that's a song that he feels, because I'm looking for it. Let me see what... Um, He's probably got it in his contract. He can't perform it without Dion and he, Gladys and Elton. It is, yeah, it is not listed in any of his set lists from his see from, he, con, from he his concert. So, well, I think that you know you basically say to yourself, "Is this a Stevie Wonder song or is this a Dion Warwick song?" And um, I mean, he absolutely. There'd be nobody would complain and say. Oh, I can't believe he's doing this song. Oh my gosh, you know. But um uh, but for whatever reason, it's one that he doesn't perform out doesn't hasn't performed outside of that uh uh that recording. By the way, we didn't even talk about Pastime Paradise, which um 
uh, got re redone by Coolio for Gangsta's Paradise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and sadly couldn't win the couldn't even be nominated for best best original song for the Oscar because it was a a it used a sample or I don't know how you how yeah you it, it used a sample so heavily that it wasn't considered an original piece yeah yeah which is too bad but uh, but hearing the original version. As you're going through this, like, oh, yeah, I always forget that this was originally a Stevie yeah, Wonder song. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of covers, who would we like to hear Stevie Wonder uh, cover? And, uh, oh, listen to you. What's that? I, yours, your your picks for these are always so good. Like, I feel like I might have <laughs> nailed them. Like, I, I sometimes I'm like, yeah, I got this. It's good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, but this season so far, you have been killing it on the picks (laughs) right season nine is your strongest season for picking covers that's funny yeah when i when i put this one like when i came up with this i'm like oh my god i can just hear it in my head it'd be so good uh my my pick for a song that i'd love to hear him cover is seven nation army by the white stripes because you imagine that that again that jazz organ era talking book songs in the key of life all that stuff uh, with the but it's done with keyboards and then his his high register vocals completely nailing the and the guitar the, the guitar vocals. syncs up with it uh, syncopates with it perfectly and then the drum it yes. it's an absolute brilliant choice and yeah Mr. Wonder if you forgive us for all the that's what friends are for <laughs> stuff you could do this for Mr. Ibbit and I think he'd really appreciate it and I think the world would appreciate it and I think it would be it would be a a humongous hit, like it yeah. would be massive. Yeah. Plus, it it fits that that you know, like that that edge that uh, they had in that talking book, intervisions days. Um, with this, you know, again the social commentary that sort of thing. It fits right there in that. Yep. In that spot. How about you? What have you got? So mine, I thought I I thought I had a good pick, but you just you just sh- shamed <laughs> me. Oh, stop! I in the sky. No, I'm sorry. Sorry. No, uh, I picked <laughs> I picked Susudio from Phil Collins, and yeah. it's funky. It feels like old R and B. It feels like old that time period of the the late '60s, early '70s kind of feel. And I really feel like he could find a, a place to be in that, and then work out to create his own sound with it. And yeah. I feel like there's there's a lot he could work with, both in the arrangement. And with this presentation, I just feel like it's a, I feel like it's a really good uh, option for him to cover. Yeah. I think it would be good too. I like it. I think it's a very good choice. All right, let's get to our set list. This is where we pick a few songs that we would add to the greatest hits soundtrack to, or greatest hits compilations to give you a uh, a more full range of the deep cuts that are also incredibly well done. And I will start. Uh, first one is 16 Tons. But a poor man's made out of muscle and blood. Muscle and blood. 
from his Down to Earth album. This is one of his early performances. And uh, I've loved this song. You know, I love the original version of it. But for whatever reason, his cover sounds like you're fighting more of the struggle than than the original version does. It was George Jones. I'm trying to remember who did the original 16 Tons, but it was somebody along those lines. And and um, sold my soul to the company store. You know, it's just so good. And he does such a great version of it, 16 Tons from the Down to Earth album. Uh, next one is Blowing in the Wind. Uh, we mentioned this Dylan cover. from his uptight album. Uh, I just love how it it takes it from the Dylan side to a kind of a, a gospel feel with this this like gentle swing beat. It's like, it's so, it, it really turns the song on its ear and, uh, um, and reinvents it and works again with his, his sensibilities, his yeah. tone at that time. Uh, another one came from uh, Sign, Seal, Deliver. This has never had a dream come true. For me, this is like Sam Cooke rose from the grave and wrote this for Stevie Wonder. It's it's just a beautiful, again, feels like a Sam Cooke song. It's so good. I had to look and make sure that he wasn't doing a cover of a Sam Cooke song. Number four comes from that, that time period that I just love, and I'm surprised that I just pulled one song from the 72 to 76 era. I think it's because those albums, for me, work as a as a whole and it's hard to just pick one track from those things so so you know if in lieu of saying I'm my playlist is his entire run of albums from 1972 <laughs> to 1976 I'm going to pull one from that and it's from his fulfilling this is first uh, finale or uh, first f- figurative I can't remember what the thing is but uh, it's the song called They Won't Go When I Go And uh, it wasn't until a few years ago that I realized that this wasn't a George Michael original. He included this, a cover of this song on his Listen Without Prejudice album. And just a few years ago, I discovered that that was actually a Stevie Wonder song. I knew that George Michael covered the song as uh, by Stevie Wonder, but I didn't realize this was also another Stevie Wonder cover. And it's, it's so powerful. And it, uh, my complaints about like Sabotage and um, other, other bands lately, uh, this one's dramatic without being melodramatic. Yeah. It doesn't have to fall into that melodramatic uh, pap. Uh, and all right, I'm going to pick something from after I just called to say I love you. And it's going to be Queen in the Black. This is from the soundtrack to Jungle Fever. 
This one uh, is super funky, and it's got a really cool chord twist. That again, you do a you do something unexpected with your chord progressions or your melody. Uh, the worst thing you could do, in my opinion, is just do your straight, you know, A B C A kind of chord progression. But this one has this really cool twist that that for whatever reason just stuck in my head, and I really dug. It's called Queen in the Black from the soundtrack to Jungle Fever. Hammond, how about you? What have you got? Why does it say maybe saliva over on the other side? <laughs> it says maybe Sylvia. Oh. So as I was as I was coming up with my list, I was writing down a couple things and put them on the left side. Okay. And that was one I left. There was a song called Sylvia, again, from also from Sign Seal Delivered that I really like. And I was playing Astroneer at the time, and there's a there's a planet called Silva. Oh, okay. And so I was thinking, you know, Silva, I want to come back to you. <laughs> it's just really funny. Anyway, so that's that's okay. Why. So my reading's uh, off because you you you've written it right. I just didn't read it right. Yeah, <laughs> saliva. Maybe saliva. They did a they they hey we could cover them sometime. We could cover saliva sometime. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, my first one is session number twelve from the Jazz Soul. Now, this is a song I've loved for years, uh, and it takes me to a very, when I listen to it, it puts me in a mindset where I'm in a very specific setting, which is a smoky big city bar, and the harmonica on it is just stupid good, and as a harmonica player, it's one of the ones that I, I picked up and tried and practiced, and and I never got it exactly, but I got to a place where I could play a version of it that would pass and people would go, oh, you're playing, you're you're playing Stevie Wonder. I'm like, yeah, I'm playing Stevie Wonder. But really, I was playing uh, Stevie Wonder through a Hammond's less talented filter. <laughs> and I had to be okay with that. Yeah. Uh, then I picked Hey Harmonica Man. It's Stevie at the Beach. Uh, and I remember finding this song when I was in high school and really learning how to play this one too. This is one of those ones where, again, I would stop, back up, try it again, find the lick, pick out the key, all that stuff. <laughs> and it it, wow. it stretched tapes. I was trying to figure it all out. Uh, they didn't have the cool slow down feature like you do nowadays. And, you know, picking up needles and stretching tapes. I, I did that to all kinds of songs so I could learn how to play them. Boy, and boy, do you have a type, by the way. I mean, the harmonica thing is just a, it is a, an arrow right to your heart. Oh, yeah. In, That's because yeah, obviously playing it for as long as I did, you, you pick out that sound. And then when you, you instantly know if someone really knows what they're doing or not. Yeah. Because you've heard all and practiced and, and, and absorbed all kinds. And so the minute you hear one, you're like, oh, no, that's just someone who got lucky on one song or that's the, yeah. that's, they brought someone in for that. That's not someone in the band. 
And then you hear someone who's in the band playing and you're like, oh my gosh, this person actually, this is an instrument they don't just keep in their pocket and, and pull out for novelty. This is something they sunk time into. For sure. Yep. Uh, then I picked God Bless the Child. Now this is a cover. Uh, first time I heard it was Lisa Simpson. Right. That's right. Okay. Very good. And then I have gone on to find other covers of it that I absolutely love. And this is one of them. And this is from the For Once album. And this is way more orchestrated, but it, it, it takes the song and brings it to a different mood. And I feel like the orchestra kind of elevates it. And I, God bless the child is an awesome song. And I've only heard like one or two versions that were, I won't even say they weren't good. They're not yeah. super. Most of the time when people cover this, they just knock it out of the park because they have to love the song to sing it. Sure. I picked another cover. Uh, I picked the cover of The Doors, Light My Fire from Sharia Moore. I, this just this just puts in to focus just what makes Stevie Wonder cool. If you can sing a Doors tune, then you instantly fall into a cool zone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, yeah, and it was and it was easy by the way to pick a lot of covers for this because he did so many covers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I picked. I just called to say I love you. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I picked uh, "Keep On Running," music of my mind. I love this build up. I love the tension that it creates. And then when he breaks into full 70s funk, it's just a relief. You're like, okay, great. I can be funky now. It just, it continues to kind of get tight. And then all of a sudden it breaks into it. You're like, okay, good. Nice. I can, I can be funky now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, totally. That's another, that's another good one. Yeah. So very cool. Yep. Awesome. I think we enjoyed this week. I'd say, on the whole, you know, again, we, we've said it a lot. We won't say it anymore, but uh, that early stuff, just so, so good. I think it it overshadowed for me the, the stuff I didn't enjoy as much. I liked the, the stuff I did like so much, it didn't really matter. And here's the stuff, stuff here's like. the problem. The stuff that we didn't like still sold a gajillion copies they made in tons of money. Right. So it's clearly yes. our taste that's off. <laughs> clearly, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, uh, Hammond, who are we we're going to talk about next week? We're going to go gardening next week. We're going to oh, go good. sound gardening. gardening next week. Ooh, excellent. I love it. This will be good because I know I know all the big albums. Uh, I don't know if I if I know all the other stuff. You know, I think there's uh 
Yeah, I'm excited because I mean, obviously, no bad motor finger and super unknown. Cool. This will be great. Yeah. It, it, when I was doing the notes for this one, it dawned on me that of the big four of grunge, only one of their lead singers is still alive. Yeah. Yep. Weird. <laughs> Just Eddie Vedder, right? Yeah. Eddie, Eddie's yeah. the lone, the, the cheese yeah. that stands alone. <laughs> I was wondering. That's why that phrase, that's what <laughs> explains that phrase and how to make it work. Yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, fantastic. Well, we want to hear from you. Email us at soundographypodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter. We are at the soundography. Visit us at soundography.com and make sure when you go there, you'll find all of the previous episodes. Make sure to check out the playlist that we include on Spotify of all of our selections. You'll also find in those playlists, you'll find links to buy songs. I'm going to probably just link people to Songs of the Key of Life because that I think is the is the top of those four albums, but you can't go wrong with any of the four of them, in my opinion. Um, and of course, if you'd love to support the show, we'd love for you to do that. Uh, visit patreon.com slash soundography. You'll get a lot of extra content, a lot of edits out of the shows, funny stuff that we don't include in the main feed because it uh, it's fourth wall breaking. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and you get the movie show that we do. The movie episodes, exactly. And we've got a Shania Twain coming up. Yeah. And as far as this this season goes, you're way ahead because uh, we just started releasing the regular shows on Apple oh, yeah. podcast feeds just this, this right. week as we record. But everybody else, our patrons, they're up to, they're, 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 uh, they're current. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, so there you go. Sorry. Um, Cool. Well, that is going to do it. Hammond, anything, uh, anything to close us out? No, I, I, I just really am glad that I now know what friends are for. <laughs> yeah. Just keep smiling, keep shining and know that you can always count on me and you can also count on us. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time right here on Soundography. Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com.